0: Welcome to the ninth episode of the fifth series of the Women in CX podcast, a series dedicated to real talk conversations between women in customer experience. Listen in as we share our career stories, relive the moments that shaped us and voice our opinions as loudly as we like about all manner of CX subjects. I'll be your host, Claire Muscat, and today's episode, I'll be talking to an incredible community member from New York City. She started a career in pet food marketing and then moved into advertising before setting up her own company, Mesh Experience, in 2006, which aims to encourage businesses to take experience-driven marketing approaches. She's a fellow of the Market Research Society, a mentor of the Marketing Academy, and president of the Marketing Research Council in New York. As the CEO of a woman-owned business, she's passionate about supporting an inclusive agenda. Please welcome to the show, CX sister, Fiona Blades. Hi, Fiona. Hi, good to see you, Claire. So fabulous to see you. And I've just been thinking about, like, last time I saw you, saw you in London, but last summer... meet up in New York what a fabulous time we had
1: (laughs) I was so impressed that you came actually it meant it really meant a lot to me and I suppose you know if you're thinking about things like CX
0: Mm. what
1: better experience than to think that the organization that you're a member of that the person who's founded it has taken the trouble to come and see you in Lower East Side I mean I was super impressed by that I really was
0: Well, it was no trouble at all because I absolutely love Lower East Side. So thank you again for having me. (laughs) Um, So let's jump right in then. Um, So so you're in London today, but you live in two locations, right?
1: (laughs) Yes, I I would never have dreamed, you know, 20 years ago that I would actually be able to be living both in London and in New York. Um, And it's been absolutely amazing. I just never thought
0: that this would happen. Yeah you have got offices in both now right as well yes yes we
1: have offices in both but i'm not actually in the office today i'm at home uh, in deptford in london mm-hmm. um but again it's lovely i'm looking out and i can see the river i can see the oh. river thames and i i always dreamed that one day i might be able to live by the river um and now i'm i'm in deptford which is which is wonderful
0: major dreams come true and you it have did. An- absolutely fabulous view from your apartment in new york as well <laughs>
1: i know Well, i like kind of like small apartments great views because then you don't have to do too much of the uh, the housework do you <laughs> <laughs> just spend the time looking out the window exactly
0: yes <laughs> um so yeah just so i guess for the listeners benefit do you want to share a little bit about how you found your way to women in cx community
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, I was contacted, I was having a chat with Priscilla Tavares um, and I'd worked with her when she was at LATAM Airlines and she's now at uh, Mercado Livre, Um, and, you know, she was in Brazil and she said, Fiona, have you heard about women in CX? I said, no. She said, well, you should do because it is absolutely amazing. And you should see if you can get in because it has fantastic members. It's, it, you know, the latest thing. Um, and any woman who is interested in CX should be a part of it. And mm-hmm. on that basis, that was why I, I got in touch. Um, and I was, again, I was really impressed with the whole process mm-hmm. of um, you explaining to me what uh, Women in CX was about. Um, then becoming a member, the way that each day you then helped in terms of that understanding the membership process and and what you could get out of the membership. And and so for me, I don't think I've had a better membership experience of joining um, an organisation. It was fantastic.
0: Oh, that is flattering indeed thank you so much for saying that and uh, yeah I remember you giving me feedback about our onboarding um and yeah I guess for, for us as a, as a community of women in CX we couldn't fail to get our customer experience right could we, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> defeat, yeah. we would defeat the objects <laughs> otherwise um so um I'm sure the listeners would love to hear more about your fascinating career journey and how You ended up where you are today as the CEO of an organization with offices in London and New York. Please tell us more. It's always a
1: funny one knowing where to start actually, but I'm going to start with um, my degree, which was in English and drama. And actually my father had always said to me, he didn't mind what I did as long as I was the best at it. So I could be anything, but I had to be the best at it. And that might sound quite easy, but it's actually it, I think it's quite difficult. Um, but in a weird kind of way, um, ultimately I think I, I found a way around being the best at what I do because I created a company so nobody else does it, so then <laughs> I could be the best. Um, but anyway, I started with English and drama because I loved English and drama. So I just I really enjoyed not just the acting, but I like directing as well. Mm-hmm. Um and I didn't know where I wanted to go next Um, but actually where I first started out I started in sales um, and then I realized from that it was actually marketing that was going to be the area that I loved and I think it was similar to to, to drama because it was like putting a play on you've got to get the um, the advertising, with the product that you're launching, the PR, you've got to get the factories all geared up. And I was so I worked on pet food marketing for eight years, which I absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. So really enjoyed that. And then I went to um, uh, into advertising. So that was the, the next stage. I mean, it was quite interesting, maybe for your listeners. I mean, you know, it, this was many, many years ago when I, I was at Spillers Foods. I was the first. Well, I was the only woman in marketing at that time. Mm-hmm. Then there were other women that came in. Um, and I be, over the eight years, I, I'd been marketing manager in a couple of areas. Um, but I looked at the board and there wasn't a single woman on the board. You know, mm-hmm. that wasn't really something that happened. And also they were they were 20 years older, you know? Mm. So, so for me, I was looking at the next stage and um, advertising was what I'd loved doing. I'd mm. really enjoyed that part. And um, so I was lucky enough then to go to Leah Burnett in mm. advertising. And I worked on um, Kellogg's and Vitties and really enjoyed that. Um, before I then, uh, I, then, I, then I moved into to, to other things. So I, actually, this is a challenge, a challenge mm-hmm. that hit me um, because although I was uh, in advertising and I'd been a marketing manager, mm-hmm. I was working with marketing managers at other packaged goods companies. And they were thinking, well, w- what she got to offer because I'm a marketing manager and she's a marketing manager. Mm-hmm. And of course there was a massive cultural shift Moving from being on the client side to being on the agency side. Yes. I really needed to learn about that. I mean there were simple mistakes that I made. I, I was used to getting everyone together to you know launch the product or ad or whatever. So when I went into advertising, I'd go to the creatives I'd say, "Oh, here we are. Here's the creative brief. If I can just leave that with you and you know pick up a wonderful ad in three weeks. That'd be great, thank you. I Mm. had no idea how you had to behave in that new cultural environment. Mm. And of course, you have to, in those days, you went out to the pub with the, uh, with the (laughs) creative, you know, had a bit of a drink, found out about what they thought. And then ultimately you'd write a brief, which, you know, was Mm. very much from where they'd come from. And it was a different way of working. So um, after a year, I was made redundant, um, which was a kind of a good thing for me in the sense that um, I had an enormous amount of support from my, um, uh, the planning director at the time. He was amazing. Um, and I actually I did go back and do freelancing with him. But at that moment, I was kind of like, do I go back to marketing, which is where I've got all my credentials or do I push on in mm-hmm. advertising? And I thought, I really love what I'm learning about branding and advertising. I felt liberated because I could work across different brands and different categories. And so I thought, that's the journey I'm going to go on. So I freelanced for nine months. And that was good for um, building your self-confidence, actually, because it's you. I mean, you'll know what it's like setting up a business, Mm -hmm. you know. You've just got to go for it. So so that's what I did. And then I went back into advertising. I did lots of different um, roles after that. And the last one, I was at Claydon Healy. Um, It was an Omnicom agency. It was a phenomenal agency. I absolutely loved it. And I was the planning director. So Mm -hmm. I had the strategic planners and the data planners reporting in. And I thought there was a gap in the market for research. Mm-hmm. So everything was about TV advertising. How is your TV advertising working? And I was working for Mercedes Benz at Clayton Healy, and I thought, well, I know it's not just the TV ad. I know that it's walking into a dealership. I know that it's going online and configuring a car. I know that it's seeing your neighbor's car. I'm thinking, wow, I think I'd like one of those. And that mm-hmm. looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, if we could capture all those experiences, we'd then be able to understand which ones you want more of, which ones you want less of, which are working well for customers, which aren't. Um, and I realized that you could do this using a mobile phone. Mm. And actually I'd, I'd had an, there'd been a couple of experiences that had led into this happening. So the first one, in terms of understanding about experiences in time, I'd been at a previous agency, and that agency was called IMP. It was a promotional agency, and the people there believed in what they called participation marketing, and they believed...
0: What is participation marketing? Exactly.
1: (laughs) What is participation marketing? So they believed that if you participated in something like a promotion or something else, that that involvement in the brand could have just as deep an impression as seeing a TV ad. And I know that sounds kind of simple today, but actually it's in those days, everybody thought it was all TV, 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 Mm -hmm. and they perhaps didn't realize the depth of relationship you could build as a brand through something like a promotion or through customer experience Mm -hmm. you know that just wasn't really thought about and in order to have participation marketing it was felt there should be a brand experience workshop
0: so what was that (laughs) well that
1: was the question that the head of planning said to me she was on maternity she said Fiona please could you sort out what a brand experience workshop is um so I thought right well I'll get my friend John Kieran at the mm-hmm. time. And John Kieran has since set up System One, which some people might be aware of, which is a, a very successful um, uh, market research uh, consultancy. Um, but at the time, John and I were just, we'd just been planners in advertising. I said, John, could you come and help facilitate
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, a, a, a kind of a brainstorm with the planners so we can work out what on earth is a brand experience workshop? That's what we got to do. So he came along and I remember it was one of those days in agency world on a Friday. We were late. We didn't start until kind of late in the afternoon. There'd been different crises we'd had to handle. Mm. So anyway, Friday afternoon and we were doing this this workshop and we got so far. And then I said, no, we need an output. We need we need an output that is going to be the same. So we decided that the workshop would be like a massive focus group, a bit like Oprah, having Mm -hmm. an Oprah experience. That's what we thought we'd do. (laughs) So we got that far, but I said, but we need to know what is the output. And I I think in desperation, I remembered something. And this was going to the Tate Gallery. And at the Tate Gallery, they had this exhibition called foley artists so you know those artists that do the sound effects on radio things so they got a room and it was just like a white box room but all the way around it it had the words of this play and basically a score so it would say seagulls you know come in here crunching through rocks and sand here and it would have this thing right the way around the room and then you could see the TV monitor where you would see the Foley artist you know getting up the seagull noise and that kind of thing. Anyway I looked at that I, I suddenly thought about it and I said yes okay a brand experience happens over time mm. and maybe what we need is a score mm. like the Foley artist's. So let's have a brand experience score and we'll have the five different um, senses. Mm -hmm. We'll have feel, think and do because on every creative brief I'd ever seen, you had to say, what do do you want the consumer to feel, (laughs) think and do? And that was it, that was the score. But I suppose when I really thought back to setting up Mesh, going back to that notion of experience and how I saw it and how I felt that it was articulated, kind of goes back to that point so that was kind of like a, a pivotal moment for me on mm-hmm. experiences because people talked about brand essence
0: mm-hmm.
1: not brand experience in those mm-hmm. days mm-hmm. and I thought no the brand experience is a really important thing the second was a, just a magic piece of, of experience I was, as planning director at um, Clayton Healy, I'd invited 2CV, and they were a research company, to come in and present their capabilities. They came in and they said, Fiona, we've got this new thing. We've got a panel of a 1,000 people and we can text them now and they will text us the answer to this question. So there was a question like, I don't know, um, which... Uh, song will be the number one this week, something <laughs> like that. Is it going to be A, B, or C? And they were connected. This was in about two thousand and one. They were connected onto our big screen in the conference room. So we're talking over twenty years ago. And they sent out the question. We saw the results coming back
0: on wow, the real this real time. Over,
1: yeah, this is over twenty years ago. So that is absolutely amazing. Well, I tell you what, we're p- we're pitching for Pepsi could you do something a different way round? So rather than putting a question out, could you brief your people to tell us whenever they have Pepsi or Coca-Cola? And then could you ask them where they are, who they're with, and we'll find out about those experiences. And they said, suppose we could, (laughs) and they did. And the information was really helpful because we could then start to see that Pepsi tended to be drunk when it was younger people together. Coca-Cola might be more the bottle in the fridge at home. You know, there were some different insights that were coming out. And from that, that was why I thought, okay, there are two things coming out and this is so cheesy, but anyway, this is what I thought. Go for it. There's a product called Ethnotext, TXT, because it's like mobile ethnography.
0: Ethnography, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is a a longitudinal study over time, right? Is that right? It is. is, It is. Exactly.
1: (laughs) It is. Um, So absolutely. Um, And then the other one was Evaluatext, because I thought this can help you evaluate 360 campaigns because it can help you see when somebody sees a poster, when somebody sees a TV ad, when they go online. So it can do that. And I didn't do anything with that idea for five years. And then later that was when I thought I've got to just go and do it. Mm -hmm. So I suppose thinking back, there have been many things along that journey that have been important in relation to experience, but I think I've said far too much, so I'm going to I'm going to stop at that point.
0: <laughs> no, not no, not at all. I thought I could maybe just play back to you what I, what I think I'm hearing here. So like, I really love this idea of the foley thing at the installation at the Tate, um, and thinking about experiences like a musical score that's orchestrated in order to create an experience for the senses. And I think what you you were explaining was that being able to use text technology to basically reverse engineer what that brand experience would be based on what was actually happening and how people were using a product. In this case, drinking different colas um, and pioneering this new approach to market research to drive brand campaigns, advertising, all aspects of the brand experience um from the other perspective so rather than top-down creative minds let's just come up with an idea and figure out like how we execute that in different touch points at the time predominantly advertising how you could then bring that into the the real world and the real world of the consumer is that right it is
1: um i think (laughs) that um we 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 don't we don't create the ads so no we don't we don't no no but we measure yeah. them exactly yeah. Yeah. so that because it's mm-hmm. so different if you've if you see a tv ad and you've just read a really negative news article or seen something on social media then you might react very differently than you would if you'd just seen it and that company has just done mm-hmm. something amazing for you you know
0: mm-hmm. so yeah understanding that context i think is really mm-hmm. important yeah that's a good way to describe it so I had a a couple of questions boiling away in my brain that I think um quite often get asked in CX but the first one being so given brands are basically they don't exist they're just constructs in people's minds aren't they yes and you know how do you bring that into reality as an experience how do you see that and um just a further position that I think, you know, kind of marketing and customer experience are sometimes seen as two separate things or teams that maybe don't sit together and perhaps they don't work together that often. um There are a lot of tangible aspects to experience that my marketing might not be that interested in. Like, just how do you see this whole customer experience thing and how is that in your mind in the context of marketing and brand? <laughs> big well, question.
1: You, <laughs> it, it's a big question. And there are, there are, Two things that have immediately come up. So, the first, I have to tell you, Jeremy Bullmore. Jeremy Bullmore has this wonderful quote People build brands as birds build nests from scraps and straws they chance upon. Hmm. And I love that. It is all those different experiences, different things that are coming together that create the brand in your head. And of course, Jeremy Bulmer died very recently, so um, uh, he is very influential, I think, yeah, in in our in our industry. So I suppose that's one thing that I've always felt inspired by. I think later he said some, you know, he kind of went back and and deconstructed that and said, no, actually. Birds are very purposeful. They don't just, <laughs> just chance upon <laughs> things at all. Um, uh, but and, but you can think about the same thing for brands. How can you build those scraps and straws that are going to create the right impression in somebody's head? I love what you've said about the marketing and CX and the silos. Yes, I mean, I remember, you know, I come from the era when you had your brand tracker and you had your CX tracker and um, they were very different and nobody spoke together they were they were different departments and different silos I literally do not feel or see or think like that Mm -hmm. I I think everything is an experience whether that is walking past a poster and it's an ephemeral experience or whether that is going into a shop and having um, a much longer experience and having an assistant helping you with something, they're all experiences as far as I'm concerned, but some will have a greater impact than others. Mm -hmm. And in general, I would say that owned channels um, and CX type channels, the, the ones that come in that area, tend to have a bigger impact But they play different roles because um, if you're walking into a store or you're going onto an app or you're going online, Mm. you're making that choice. Mm. So you're going into that that brand world, Mm. whereas Mm. you need to be attracted to that. And that's where advertising comes in because you need – you might never have heard of a brand. And if you see some communication – or you see that recommended, or you see that on social media, or something like that, that is then going to um, help you to think that maybe a brand that I want to explore more about. Mm. But I see it as, as one total. I think about the whole customer experience. I think you need to look through a customer's eyes to understand how CX mm. or traditional CX fits into the whole, into the whole picture.
0: Mm-hmm. And just for the audience's benefit, if they're not so familiar with the marketing terms of paid, owned, and earned, do you want to just describe a little bit more about what that means?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, very, very happy to describe it. And of course, there's loads of debate on what, what exactly what it means. Are these things <laughs> exactly. So, so let's take a, a simple, um, a simple definition. Um, paid would be where you are paying, for example, a TV channel to put on your ad. So, your ad is your own. You've created that ad. Do you want to put it on a paid channel like TV? or do you want to put it on your own channel like your website? That would be that would be an owned channel. And then earned would be um, uh, gener- it would be generated by um, external sources. So it could be in the news items, so it's PR it could be conversation that people are having so that would be how we would describe earned media Mm. yeah
0: Mm. that's really helpful and now for a quick word from one of our sponsors we are proud to be supported by kantar the world's leading evidence-based insight and consulting company kantar cx helps clients define customer and employee experience strategies better understand their customers via measurement and in turn improve business outcomes driving true commercial ROI. To find out more about Kantar CX practice, please visit the sponsor links on the homepage of womenincx.community. Now back to the episode. Um, So how exactly does your company help clients to measure that whole customer experience and what's the benefit that they get of doing that?
1: Well, we've got we 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 came up with an approach which, to begin with, was using mobile phones and uh, initially it was it was text messaging. Um, we don't use the text messaging; it's mobile diaries now. But we call that approach real time experience tracking. And because through that we are asking people to tell us whenever they see, hear, or experience anything to do with. And it could be vegan products or it could be banks or it could be electronics or um, it it could be chocolate, so whatever the the category is. Um, Then from that we can see how people are experiencing the client's brand in relation to the competitors and that helps clients in three areas. So it can help them with their marketing investment decisions when it comes to campaigns, yeah so um for instance we've been lucky enough to work on the boots campaigns. so we've worked on the christmas one recently and previously uh. on the summer ones and you know that's lovely so then you can understand exactly when that campaign is out there how are people responding what are they saying about mm. it um are they picking it up are they noticing it in comparison with others so that's one thing advertising Um, The next is path to purchase, because particularly with online, offline, um, you know, where should a brand intervene? Um, So we've worked with LG Electronics over many years. um, And, you know, when should they be talking with their own advertising? When should they be thinking about Best Buy and uh, and the in-store environment? Um, how how can they intervene on that path to purchase? And then the, the third area is CX. So um, I think that nowadays uh, clients have got loads of data, first-party data, because there's just more and more, which is fantastic.
0: First-party being...
1: Yes, thank you for kind of uh, <laughs> pulling me up there, Claire. First-party data being the... Um, information of the the customer that you have. So knowing that Claire is a customer and knowing your email address or knowing your mobile right. number, being able to contact you, send you a letter, that would be first party data. And with the difficulty that clients are having now in gaining attention from, from customers, uh, fragmenting media, um, the demise of cookies, you know, all of these things, it's more and more important for client brands to have good first party data, because then they can contact their customers directly. Mm-hmm. So you can have loads of information about your first party data, um, but you won't have the same information about competitors so you won't know how I mean we do quite a lot of work on retail banking for example so you might know how your bank's app is working but you won't necessarily know how people are experiencing the competitors Mm -hmm. or their branch experiences and the benchmark yeah exactly so you might want to to benchmark that so those are those are really the three core ways that we can we can help clients in those areas
0: so it's so fascinating <laughs> um and um where do you think like this is all heading so like the future of customer experience and, and particularly the future of customer experience in the context of marketing and data well I
1: think there are going to I think there are going to be new ways of looking at things new metrics I think marketing and customer experience will become much more integrated. I think everything is a customer experience everything is marketing it's 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 all the same thing
0: mm-hmm. so
1: I think that will become more integrated and I therefore think there will be new metrics and so one actually which um, Keith Weed who was at Unilever talked about in Harvard Business Review which is share of experience
0: mm-hmm. and
1: actually that is something that mesh has picked up. For 16 years. Mm. And what we mean by share of experience is if you think, let's take banks, that people are telling us about every experience that they're having with banks, whether that's Mm. the TV ad or the branch, Mm. we can see out of a thousand experiences, what percentage of those are for Lloyds Bank, what percentage are for HSBC, what for Barclays. So we can see that percentage. And that has a, a closer correlation with market share oh. than share of voice.
0: Nice.
1: Because if you think about it, share of voice mm. is just the paid advertising. Yeah. It's just, and, and it's what you're pushing out. Mm. So just because you're pushing out a millions of, of advertising doesn't mean that people are picking it up. Yeah,
0: doesn't mean it's being experienced.
1: <laughs> it doesn't mean it's being experienced. Mm. So I think share of experience will be really, really important. And then, of course, you can break that down into well, how are people experiencing your brand? If you had to draw a pie chart of that, what percentage would be social media? What percentage would be um, in store? What percentage online? What percentage on the app? What what percentage would all those things be? And if you don't know how people are experiencing your brand, how can you know where to invest Mm -hmm. to make better decisions? So I think some of those things are going to change over time. And I think in terms
0: of, so in terms of investment, then so that might be saying, in terms of share of experience in our online channels, we can see that there's a huge gap between us and our biggest competitor in how much cut through we're getting. Therefore, we'd want to invest more in that channel. Is it that kind of decision?
1: Absolutely, or, absolutely.
0: And is it yes. like a? And you said like market share is connected to this. So, is it then being able to um, attribute different channel impacts on things like purchase or yes. like kind of cross, cross data mapping with things like the financial?
1: Uh, absolutely. Form? I think so, because this will be fed into modeling. What we know from our own data is we know which channels are having the biggest impact on brand metrics like trust mps Mm -hmm. brand consideration so so we know that because before we ask people to to tell us the experiences we find out which brands they consider which brands they trust Mm -hmm. and then at the end of the week that each person does this for a week but we've got this running continuously We ask the same questions. So we can see, oh, somebody didn't trust this bank here. Now they trust the bank. What experiences have they had that have generated that? So we can really start to unpick um, which experiences uh, a client should be focusing on. Mm -hmm. And of course, it's not just through which channels, it's the messaging, it's Mm -hmm. the context that we've talked about, it's all of those other things, and we know that if the um, the experience is a positive one, so we ask people how positive the experience was, uh, that that has three times the impact on brand mm-hmm. consideration of a neutral one. Mm-hmm. So you want lots of experiences, and you want positive ones.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what you.
1: That's what you're looking to try and do.
0: Yeah, because typically, I guess the not that I agree with it, but the typical things that people are measuring in customer experience and net promoter and effort scores and satisfaction and things like that. How do you think like this ties together with those kinds of metrics and the tracking that gets done specifically on experience?
1: Well, I think I actually think that things like and M- net promoter score can be really useful for businesses because if everyone in the business gets behind it, whether or not you think it's the best score or it's not the best score, whether you're doing operational NPS because it's straight after a flight or you're doing strategic because you're asking people at a different time about overall their recommendation, I think it can be those, those metrics can be useful. But I suppose where the experiences come in is it's the experiences that will create that impact, mm-hmm. that net promoter score. So, if you have a great experience that is more likely to make you want to recommend Mm -hmm. or to, for you to have satisfaction with a brand. Mm. So we always say it's the experiences that you have today that will be impacting the metrics that people are measuring Mm.
0: tomorrow. That's more like an input metric and an output metric. So measuring all the inputs to those experiences that ultimately could generate something like whether or not someone does advocate for you <laughs> yes exactly oh, uh, mm-hmm. and perhaps yes. even make up some of that earned media that we've been talking about <laughs> yes exactly because
1: <laughs> the more you can get people to talk about it you and yeah, yeah. yeah. then you grow your share of
0: experience without mm-hmm. needing to pay mm, which has clear financial benefits to that yes mm, amazing yeah um, so so outside of kind of there'll be new metrics for customer experience is there anything else that you'd like to share about what you see for the future of customer experience? Um, well, one thing actually, when I was working
1: on, and thank you very much for being part of the own channel um, uh, project with the IPA and F-Works, I really, really appreciated yeah. that. But but one of the things that I found was um, the clients that were embracing agile working, mm-hmm. that was really interesting because you were getting creativity. You were putting people together with different disciplines mm-hmm. and with a you know with a business problem or, or an outcome something that needed solving and I think there will be more and more of those squads and agile working to to get to solutions so I think I think some of the ways that we work will will change as well
0: mm. and, and where do you see things like customer communities fitting in all this obviously being a startup running a community myself. I I just think it's fascinating this kind of evolution, yes. kind of beyond research communities, and um, particularly in like the software and SaaS space, more so than in kind of FMCG. Like, is that going to become a part of our marketing mix?
1: <laughs> I actually think it will be. I think it's a really, a really good point. And um uh when 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 I was doing the um the the, the IPA paper Again, that that was a question that you raised, but it was also a question that other people raised. Mm. Um, because now there's much, much more investment in customer communities. Mm. And you can have a direct relationship with your customers. And those experiences are going to be more potentially more impactful than mm. than than simply mm. the the paid advertising that we've seen in the past. Um, and it gives you a direct channel to these customers. So, and I think there is going to be some blurring of the lines between mm. kind of research and actual, um, participation in, in, in communities as
0: well. Mm. I think yes. some of that will break down. Well, it could be the ultimate participation of marketing, couldn't it? It could. I love done. that. <laughs> Brands talking to customers through this new direct channel, but also customers interacting with one another around products. So I, I think it's fascinating and the potential of that to um yeah, just to, I suppose unleash an, a new aspect. <laughs> uh, I think you're
1: so right about that, um, Claire, because actually it's some of those things like YouTube videos where people show new things to do with a product that you didn't know that can can start to Change the number of ways that products are used.
0: Yeah. And then customers sharing tips with one another about products in these software communities. I suppose I joined a few communities that are about communities now. And what we're doing is like quite unique and different as women in CX. Mm-hmm. Um, we're actually up for an industry award, um, uh, global CMX Awards. We're the in the top three finalists in the whole world for our approach to user groups because we're a customer experience group who co-design with our community and drive our own product um and yeah just kind of like seeing out there like how different companies are using communities now to enhance their product development because rather than kind of asking specific research questions or having to invest in ethno or specific research communities these communities are actually being that source of kind of product feedback and innovation and ideas from the customer's point of view, through them interacting with one another and sharing the challenges and obstacles and opportunities and tips with one another. And they're able to build that stuff, like, for example, into the onboarding of their product experience directly. I think it's fascinating.
1: Absolutely. And not surprising that um, Women in CX is up for the award and also is is right there at the the leading edge
0: of what's happening. Oh, thank you very much. (laughs) So, a little humble brag from women in cx but we deserve it we should, no one's going to blow your horn for you are they? so we should be shouting from the rooftops about our own successes um well it was an awesome conversation i think i learned so much um obviously like, i've been around you and what you've been doing with this paper and i learned so much from that is that paper available publicly yes, yes.
1: it is and yeah, what- um If you go on to either the MESH website or the IPA website,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, and I can send uh, the link through to you later if you want to to send that through to to the people that are listening, Um, but either of those websites, you should be able to search for owned channels, Mm -hmm. the next frontier in marketing effectiveness measurement
0: and what does the IPA stand for just for anyone listening oh that's a good that's a good point I think it's the Institute <laughs>
1: of Practitioners for Advertising, advertising. Think. I
0: don't, <laughs> the big don't industry body for advertising that's all we need yes. to know and yeah sure if yes. you could send us the link we can just drop it in the um, show notes for the podcast And people can just click through and directly access it there. So just to round off then, is there like one pearl of wisdom, piece of advice, or one thing to take away from this conversation you'd like to leave our listeners with?
1: I think that would be that if you've got a different perspective on the world um, or you've got something new about CX, you should nurture it. Nurture that and believe in it. Don't just think that you're odd and different. Because I think if you do, you can find something special and you can follow your own path and you get your own purpose.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just like to roll well, right back to the start where you said about what your dad advised you to do, to be the best at whatever you could be. And um, You know, you went out into the world, you did that, you built your own thing and absolutely have made yourself the best at what you do. So that's really inspiring. Sure, our listeners have loved hearing um, more about your career journey, uh, what you're up to, this like cutting edge of ethnographic user research <laughs> slash long longitudinal studies. um And yeah, just uh, just thank you again for having me. When I came to visit in New York, um, we had a wonderful meetup. And um, please do send my best to your lovely husband. <laughs> Here's our thank you. And that's it. So thank you for coming, and thank you for everybody who watched or listening along. We'll see you all on the next episode of Inspiring Women in CX. Bye for now. Thank you, Claire. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Women in CX podcast with me, Claire Musket. If you enjoyed the show, please drop us a like, subscribe, and leave a review on whichever platform you're listening or watching on. And if you want to know more about becoming a member of the world's first online community for women in customer experience, please check out womenincx.community membership. Join us again next time where I'll be talking to one of our community members from the UK about pivoting from CX to diversity and inclusion and the role that we can play in self-reinvention.